This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Forget all the technical difficulties. Welcome to the Melanated Way. I'm your host, Linda Entwee. We are covering season seven, episode seven of 90 Day Fiance, Happily Ever After. Are you happy now? Are you happy now? Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you? And I want to say just off the jump, shout out to the live chat, Better Days, Joslo, Pretty Cake, Sly Cat, Carol. Hey, y'all. Hey. Um. I want to say off the jump that what we witnessed with Angela in this episode and Ed in this episode is toxic, right? I just want us all to be on the same page. It's toxic behavior. It's 100% toxic behavior, and I'm not for it at all. Connie, happy Thanksgiving. It's Canadian Thanksgiving today. I was debating whether or not I was going to do a show, but, you know, it's a holiday, so... Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had all the great food and yummy desserts, all the things. And I am thankful if we're talking about being thankful because it's Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for each and every one of you guys that show up here on my show and, and communicate with me and chat with me and all the things. I'm very thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for my Patreon family. And I'm just thankful. That's it. So happy Thanksgiving. All right. So we're going to jump into Bilal and Shida. So first of all, I don't think these two are going to last. I just don't. I think they're on two different pages. I think that Bilal comes with a lot of baggage. And... I think that the trauma that he lives with, he hasn't really like dived into fixing that trauma. He just brings it into his new relationships. That being said, we open up the episode with uh, Shida learning to drive. And of course, Bilal's the one that's teaching her, which is absolutely not a great idea. She should like, I don't know if America has like 
because in Canada we have young drivers of Canada. Um, she should go to a driving school. She goes to driving school because Blau's already too like wound up tight. He's 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 very specific in the things that he wants and does, and he has this Mercedes, and she's learning to drive in his Mercedes, and it's just not a good look. It's not a good look because he's super too too controlling. So, anyways, um, he's thinking that he's going to help her get her American driver's license because, you know, she already does know how to drive um, by helping her learn to drive on the right side of the road because in Trinidad, they drive on the left side of the road. So he wants to do that. Plus, he wants to get her mind off of the results from the fertility test that they took because that test result is going to be in today. So they switch out. She gets into the driver's seat. First thing she does is take off her shoes because she's, quote, heavy-footed. And I laugh so hard, you guys, because I learned to drive when I was 16 years old. And I went to Young Drivers of Canada. And all my Canadians, y'all know Young Drivers of Canada. There is the road work and then there's in class, right? That's like a whole, it's a whole program. And my first driving experience with my instructor she told me that I had a lead foot. So I could really relate to what Shida was saying about having a heavy foot. She's like, listen, you kind of have like a lead foot. So you might want to like ease up on the gas a little bit. (laughs) Suffice to say, you guys, I passed the written test on the first try. Did I pass my driving test on the first try? No, but, but I will say this. I will say this. Okay. I will say this in my defense, not passing the first try is because I was so panicked because my driving test instructor, like the person that was driving with me for my test, she was like, nine months pregnant like she was due any day and i literally said to her like do you trust like how do you get in a car with people that don't have driver's license like do you trust that we're gonna get you back to the driving situation safely like and so it made me nervous and that's why i didn't pass the first time not because i wasn't a great driver because i'm a great driver but because I was like, oh my God, she has a baby in her belly and she's due any day. This is too much pressure. <laughs> uh, Mama Bubble said, my teacher named me Leadfoot Laura. Facts, Laura, facts. Suffice to say, I had to take my driver's test, the, the driving part, two times. Only because she, she was pregnant and like she had her baby days later and i had to wait like uh i think i had to wait like 10 days before i had to take the test again anyways not my fault so she takes her shoes off because uh shida says she has a heavy foot and she puts them in the back seat and the thing is Bilal is so like anal with his thoughts that he's looking at her shoes and looking at the tims like what's happening here because She put them on the back seat and he's like, hey, listen, those are leather seats. 
what are you doing right now? And he like totally freaks out about his leather seats. And I'm like, are you more worried about your leather seats and, you know, the tangible object? Or are you worried about you and your wife who are people that are more important? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. His priorities are super weird to me. So she's practicing in this parking lot, empty parking lot. And he freaks out again because he feels like she almost hit a rock. And so they pause and you see she's close to the rock. But she she says, oh, I saw the rock. And he's like, no, you didn't. And please don't mess up my car. Um, and then he's irritated, which, you know, he gets irritated with her very quickly and very often. Hey, Megan. Hey, girl. Hey. So he's irritated. He's like, you know, you don't really know how to drive. And she's like, don't try to mansplain things to me. Just chill out. I've been driving for the last 17 years. I know how to drive. You just need to calm down and relax. And he was not trying to, right? So I was like, this is just really not a good idea. All of it's not a good idea because you two are never on the same page. I'm surprised that you actually got married because you guys just seem very different. Do you know what I mean? Like, are you guys surprised that they're still together? Hey, auntie. Hey, girl. Hey. Auntie. Listen. Auntie. Everyone. I love auntie. Auntie's in the live chat. I'm going to digress for like two minutes. Auntie. I just did a video about uh, Yara's friend, Adele. And I don't know if you've heard about this. I don't know if you've seen it, but I just did a video, you guys. You can check it out on my YouTube channel. Um, but Adele is like a criminal. She's a criminal. She's a crazy criminal. She is in this the hugest, you guys, Adele, Yara's friend, who I was always already thinking was a bit shady, was arrested and she was arrested for a criminal conspiracy and if you want to know like all the details you have to watch my video and i think i may have already deleted it but i'll say this she's been charged with uh criminal conspiracy the dea and the baton rouge police department did an undercover sting and six people got arrested and she was one of them and it was they're like drug traffickers uh heroin cocaine uh money laundering it's like a whole thing it was like a whole thing you guys a whole thing meanwhile you're turning around and trying to talk crazy to to jovi stop it so and also how did you get on international tv if you know you're a criminal right i watch all the true crimes if you're gonna be a criminal what you don't want to do is bring attention to your criminal enterprise. But then you go on an international reality show, you talk shit, you talk down to Jovi and act like he's the bad person. But meanwhile, y'all are feeding Baton Rouge with a bunch of drugs and money laundering. Stop it. Stop it. Auntie said, had the nerve to be a mean girl. You did a great job reporting on it. Thank you. But yeah. You guys, Adele, Adele, okay, Adele, 
Anyhow, back to Happily Ever After. So, uh, Shida is ready to have kids. Right, Mama, Mama Bubbles? Mama Bubbles? She's like, right? Kind of dumb to go on national TV. Listen, some of these criminals are just dumb. They're just dumb. And, and all of these things are allegations. You know, it is what it is. But... There was a whole, there's a whole criminal enterprise, y'all. A whole criminal enterprise. And then you're like, yeah, no problem. I'm, um, you know, not doing drugs, but selling drugs and, and money laundering. But yeah, it makes sense for me to go on an international number one popular reality show and like talk shit. <sighs> Anywho. So back to Shida. Uh, Shida wants a baby. And you guys, I talk about this all the time on my show. You all have to have these conversations before you get married. You have to have these conversations before you're in a serious relationship. It's clear to me that Bilal doesn't want to have any kids anytime soon. He's ha- He has trauma from his previous relationships. And he's carrying that trauma. He hasn't dealt with that trauma. And now he's brought into his new relationship. And now, you know, Shida being in her late 30s, she wants to have a baby. He's he's in no rush. He is not pressed for time. He's like, it's going to be on my time schedule. If indeed he ever has babies. Desiree says, Bilal don't want no baby and he's going to stall. He's been stalling. But I blame both of them. I blame both of them because she said in this episode that she told him up front that she always wanted to have kids and she wanted to have kids immediately. But the thing is, if you had that conversation, did you come to an agreement or did you just go with the flow? Because if you went with the flow, then that's that's your bad. If he gaslighted you, that's your bad for continuing this relationship and then going on to marry him. So she wants kids. She wants them now. Um, And she says that she told Bilal from day one that she really wants to have kids. And so last week they went to see a gynecologist. And this week they have a video chat with that same gynecologist. And he's going to give the results. So he says that her hormones look good, but her ovarian reserves he doesn't know. So like how many eggs do you still have in your reserve at 38 years old? He doesn't know yet because he's still waiting on some more blood work. So that's pending. Right. So great hormones. However, ovarian reserve, we don't know. Oh, Desiree, happy Thanksgiving. My Canadian cohort. Um, Appreciate that. Thank you. So they're waiting on the blood work. And then Shida says, you know, we've been trying to have a kid. And Bilal's like, wait, what? Who, who's who been trying? I haven't been trying. We're not trying to have any type of babies anytime soon. And she's like, well, you know, there's been some oopsies. And she's trying to keep it on the low so that he doesn't pay attention to the oopsies that have, have happened. Now, here's the thing. And I'm not married, so I'm going to reach out to you all and my married people out there. But as a married couple, is it 
is it common to have sex with a condom? I mean, is it? I don't know, right? Like, I, I get there's a ton of ways to prevent pregnancy. I don't know in the Islam culture if she can't go on birth control, but uh, I know this sounds terrible, but I'm going to say it anyways. I, I just can't imagine being married and in the honeymoon phase and having to think about, oh, I have to put a condom on with my husband. It's weird, right? Is it weird or is it just me thinking it's weird? But again, I'm not married. So I'm going to, I'm going to relate it and put it all on you guys who are married to let me know if that's not a weird thing. I just think it's weird. So The doctor's like, so where are you guys with this? Like, do you, are you guys on the same page? Do you want to have a children? Do you want to have children? You know, if you're having children, a child should bring happiness into your household. Um, and then Bilal like starts gaslighting her again. He's like, you know, Shida gets emotional sometimes. And sometimes she says some crazy things and maybe she'll abandon me. And, um, he says that, you know, because she gets so emotional, will, will she be a good mom? I'm like, this, how, how are you two married? How are you two married? Because it seems to me that all you do, Bilal, is gaslight your wife. So she's like, listen, I want a baby and I want a baby right now. And I want us to be on the same page about it. And I've said this before and I'll say it again what's the difference between having a baby now and having a baby in a year from now? You're going to have a baby. Uh, Pretty Cake says, but I guess latex allergies are not wanting birth control and maybe a good option. Okay. Okay. I guess. I guess. I I just, I, I feel like, if I'm going to be honest, I just feel like if that's your partner that you've married in life, you should be able to be, I, I don't know, like 100% open with them. And I don't feel like they have that. I feel like they're both still like holding back and they're both not on the same page. So it's like super weird to me. Uh, Desiree says, Blau a disaster of a partner for any woman. It's a wonder he's on his third marriage. Facts. And the other part that I don't like Desiree is he acts like he's only been married one time, but this is his third marriage. Like, let's not try to pretend that you haven't been married a bunch of times and you're carrying all that trauma with you, but it sounds to me like you might be the problem. So I just feel like he's carrying baggage from his last marriages and he has abandonment issues and he talks about how Shida talks about leaving him when they fight and brings up the divorcing and going back home and all that stuff, which triggers him. And then he pulls back even more. And here we are having a relationship where they're not really having a relationship where they can fully, truly, openly and honestly communicate. And I think that only being married for a few months, it's a red flag. To me, it's a red flag. So 
so next day and uh they're making food to eat she wants to be careful with what she's eating she wants to do really clean eating so she starts making a salad because she's read that you know it starts with how you eat and what you put into your body so that you have a great pregnancy and she doesn't want to eat anything that will hinder that and so they're sitting down and having a conversation and she's really like begging him like hey listen i want to be on the same page with you i want a baby i want a baby right now and i think we should think about what the doctor said and do a pros and cons list so let's do our pros and cons list so they do the pros and cons list and i wrote some of it down her pros are it's gonna being a mother will make her a better person um children help you de-stress and when you come home from a hard day at work you come home and there's all this love the kid runs up to you or the kids run up to you then that's part of like de-stressing and having children in life extends your legacy so you've left a legacy on this earth and it's pure love so those are her pros what are his cons his cons are Kids add stress to your life. Uh, His con is that she's irritable if she doesn't get 10 hours of sleep. And if you have a kid, you're not going to get 10 hours of sleep, especially if you have a newborn. Another con is he doesn't like poopy diapers because, you know, he has, um, what is it? He's just really anal about things, right? Like everything has to be in its place. Don't wreck this, all of the things. Um, So he isn't about the poopy diapers. He makes this thing like, have you ever changed a diaper and the poop touch your finger? Ooh, gross. He's like, OCD. Thank you, mama. OCD. OCD. He's 100% OCD. Um, And then he talks about the financial burden that children bring because that's financial burden for life. And he also says the con is that he's fearful that Shida is quick to run for the hills, meaning that anytime they fight, she brings in the divorce word. He says the D word. And he's worried that she's going to up and leave him one day. And she's like, well, you know what? I just say things when I'm mad or I say things when we're fighting, but I don't mean it. If I was going to leave, I would have left by now. I'm not going anywhere. And to me, I was sad because he literally is bringing so much baggage from his previous relationships that he hasn't healed from. And I think that he jumped into a marriage where he wasn't ready. You have obviously a woman who told you from the jump that she wants to have children. And then you're talking about how your previous marriage, you had, you know, a couple of kids with her and she left you. And now you're scarred and you have, you're putting all of that baggage in your new relationship. It's quite terrible. So she's not impressed and she feels like every year we're going to have the same conversation. I want babies. You're not ready. I want babies. You're not ready. And she's like, time is going to pass and there's going to be no baby. And I don't really just don't want anyone to waste my time. So whether I'm with Bilal or not, she says, I'm going to have a baby, which I don't, I just, you guys, I think it's not a good sign. I really think it's not a good sign. I really think that 
from the jump, if you're having all of these issues from the very beginning and you've only been married for a few months, less than a year, that you're in trouble. And you're in trouble because y'all didn't have the conversations like you needed to have before you got married. Do you want kids? If so, how many kids do you want? Let's talk about finances. How do you spend money? How do you save money? How important is money in your relationship? Let's talk about religion. Yes, they are the same religion, but how are you going to raise your kids in that religion or are you not? Have those conversations. Sex, how important is it? Is it to you? How often do you think you want to have sex? All of these things, you have to have these conversations. Because now now you're married, you guys are supposed to be partners, and they're both on completely different pages. And Bilal, in my opinion, thinks he can control everything by saying, no, we're not having kids right now. No, we're not having kids right now. Okay. Next up, Elizabeth and Andre. Oh, Lord. I Can I just tell you, when I saw the preview for next week, and again, how Andre speaks to her, I fear for her. Like, I just think he's super controlling and I don't know really what goes on behind closed doors, but it he just gives me red flags. The way he talks to her and cusses her out and is like so aggressive towards her. And even in the opening of their segment of, of this episode, Ellie, their child was outside and something happened with nail polish. And he was like, ah, towards the the child that's just a toddler. I was like, you need to take that bass out of your voice 100% down. Because you're not, you're scaring me and I'm a grown adult. Can you imagine the little toddler? That's why she started crying because it was scary. He, he, y'all, I don't know. I don't know his whole situation and I'm not, I'm not saying anything because I obviously don't know because I don't know what goes on behind the closed doors. But what I can say is that he's very aggressive and that bass in his voice and his like machismo is too much. And for the simple fact that he is so willingly open to like cuss in front of his child, child children now because they have two kids now um, is worrisome to me. Right? Pretty Cake says, Ellie looks scared as fuck. Facts. And Mama Bubble said, I feel the same way about Andre. Facts. Facts. It's, it's, it was scary. It, it was scary. So that's how they opened up their, their segment. And he talked about how he had no regrets for not going to... Libby's mom's birthday party, Pam's 60th birthday party. Um, And again, I'll say this. I don't think that five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, Libby is is going to be okay with it. I think Libby's going to regret not going to her mom's 60th birthday. Your mom turned 60 one time and that's it and that's all. And you allowed your husband to isolate you and not allow you to attend that wed- that birthday party. It's weird. It's weird. Because if you, you are indeed so close to your family, which we've seen over the episodes and the seasons, then 
how could you how why would you not and even if andre didn't go bring ellie show up for your mom because how long does your mom have to be here on this earth but because you know andre in my opinion is this the problem he doesn't want to go and you don't want to have issues with your husband so you don't go either it's it's not a good look it's not a good look in my opinion <clears throat> facts mama bubble says if he does that in front of the camera just think about what he does behind closed doors that's the part that i'm worried about mama bubbles that's the part that part anyways he has a immigration meeting um because his two-year green card has expired and so now he needs a 10-year green card. And I've told you guys this. I've gone through this exact same process. Well, not like the Kaylin process, but but immigration process. And yes, you get your first two-year green card. They see how you act in the U.S. And they see, like, your history. And then if all is well, then you get a 10-year green card. And from there, you can apply for citizenship. So he is on his expired two-year green card. He is up for renewal for a 10-year green card, but his attorney calls him and wants to meet him in real life, in person. And normally, you just get an approval letter, which is absolutely true. They tell, they send you a letter saying, your green card is expiring, fill all this stuff out on online, pay the 500 and whatever dollars it is, and then we'll get back to you. And normally you just get approved. Your green card comes in the mail. Boom, you're done. Um, and even his lawyer said, you know, 95% of the cases that she's on, they just get approved. And she hasn't seen when there's a child involved that they require an interview or interview is requested, right? So she says to him, you know, I don't know what's going on, but... She thinks it has to do with his past in Moldova. And perhaps they saw something in his past that wouldn't have made him get a green card originally. So he would have been ineligible for a green card, um, but it was overlooked. And now that they're looking at the 10-year green card and they're going through it more thoroughly, um, something must have popped, right? And one of the things that I thought was so interesting... um, is that she said, you know, they're probably going through the original application to see if there was a mistake made. And she asked them straight out, tell me if there's anything in your past that you haven't told me that I should know about, right? And then he does this like weird, like if he did that in the interview, I would tell you he would get rejected immediately. He did this weird thing where he was like super shady and talked about how he used to be on the Moldovan police force and that he had a bunch of cases and he went in to testify for them. But then she was like, well, that doesn't make sense. She's like, were you testifying for them or were you testifying for yourself? So were you on the the police force and you were accused of something and were you a witness or were you investigated? And that's when he finally coughed up the truth that he was being investigated while he was on the police force and that's why he was kicked off right so i was like well 
it sounds to me like there's a lot more that he's not saying. And he's the way he's talking, like the fast talking. You know when people are lying and they fast talk and then they they say things that have nothing to do with anything? That's what he was doing. And it was really weird to me. Yes, Jocelyn said he's obviously lying. And C. Cruz says dirty cop. And Better Day says so shady. Yeah, it was so shady. It was so, like, it's clear to us that you've done some stuff in your past that you think that, oh, it was 10 years ago, so it's in your past and and it doesn't matter. But like the lawyer said, these are the feds. Everything matters. And perhaps they're thinking you shouldn't have been approved the first time and yet here you are. So we want to investigate further and we want to bring you in for an interview. So he tries to make it seem like it has nothing to do with his past. He's like, oh, that doesn't make sense. I don't know why they would be thinking that there was something in the past, eh, all this stuff. It didn't really make sense what he was saying, you guys, because he was saying a bunch of stuff, but he was saying nothing at all. And then what he held on to was when she's like, you know, it's weird that you're getting called into immigration. You know, obviously there's some concerns and there's something going on. And she feels like it's about something in his past from Moldova. But she also said, do you have any enemies here in the U.S.? Because perhaps they called in like a tip or they they filed something that caused concern. Um, and, you know, it's all hearsay. But because you're not an American citizen, you don't have the rights of an American citizen. So they're going to investigate it. And so if someone called and said, you know, maybe your marriage is a sham or he's doing something shady, whatever the case may be, they're going to look into it. And that perhaps uh, tipped off the reason why he is getting an interview. So he ran with that. He's like, oh, yeah, someone is snitching on me. And of course, the first thing he's thinking of is Libby's family. And he didn't say it directly, but you know he's thinking Charlie. He's thinking Charlie called United States Immigration Services and was like, eh. So ridiculous. So... <clears throat> The lawyer says there's something in his file that's causing concern and it can be a big deal. And she's seen it in the past that you can go into your interview. The officer uh, can take away your green card immediately and deport you immediately. They can forever ban you from the U.S. She's seen it happen a lot. So she's like, tell me now if there's anything you've done in your past that you haven't told me. And he's like, I don't know. Uh, It's so weird. But you could tell that he was holding something back. You could tell that there's some shady shit in his history that he won't fess up to. That's what you could tell. At least that's what I could tell. It was terrible. So he gets home. He tells Libby what happened. So he says, you know, it it's weird that I'm getting called into immigration. There's some concerns. There's something going on. 
he tells her it might be something from my past in Moldova, but I don't think that's it. Um, he thinks that it's someone is snitching on him and said that he did something wrong and perhaps is saying that their marriage is a sham. And Libby's like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, I don't know who would do that. And I guess we have to like prepare for this interview. And she's like, well, what does that mean? And he's like, well, we have to prepare for a deportation and having to move our family to Moldova. And he's like, someone is whispering in immigration's ears. And I think it's your family who's trying to ruin our relationship. They're losers. They're jealous of us. And then Andre adds a bunch of extra stuff that the lawyer never said. He says to her that there's going to be like three immigration um, people there. They're going to put us in separate rooms. They're going to ask us questions. And if they don't like our answers, they will deport me. Like, I was like, oh, so see, this is part of your problem is that not only are you a little bit of a liar, but you're also an exaggerator. So you want to put all of this blame while while you're getting investigated on Libby's family because that's the easy out, but you don't want to come clean about your history. Doesn't make sense. Jaslo says, oh my God, the audacity of him thinking that everyone is jealous. That part. Like, Own up to your own shit, Andre. Like, you sound ridiculous right now. You sound so, so ridiculous. Oh, what is this? So, moving on to Jenny and Smith. Listen, these two cracked me up so much that I'm going to pop this up real quick. Hold on. Let's go to this one. All right, I'll pop that up in a minute. So I mean, I I have not felt like Jenny shows her age until this season like i don't know she's acting like a a super old lady but at the same time it's i don't know it's kind of funny to me and i feel like they jenny simit really love each other they just have so many issues that they need to work through right so they open a scene where jenny in my opinion fake trips over these shoes they're these white tennis shoes in the middle of the room of their bedroom you can clearly see them she walks halfway through the room and then she trips over the tennis shoes like she didn't see them and i was like oh my god you you wait what and then she starts nagging him about him leaving his stuff all over the place and i was like but you have you not only have glasses on you weren't even walking that fast and how did you miss the sh- literally the shoes you guys were perfectly placed side by side right in the center of the floor i i mean i just don't even know but whatever so she's in nagging mode 
And he has like some jacket on the bed. She's like, are you wearing this jacket? He said, no. She's like, well, why is it on the bed? And I was like, you guys are really just talking about nothing. Like, what is this? What is this scene about? I don't know. So she's going to go for a walk. And she just wants to clear her head a little bit. <laughs> Joslo says, fake tripping over his small shoe. Facts. Because he was like, oh, these are big shoes. She's like, no, they're small. <laughs> Anyway, she's going to go for a walk, <clears throat> clear her head, and also to call her daughter Christina, right? And so she calls Christina. She's like, you know, we're on our honeymoon. Everything is great. But at the same time, she feels like she's going through a lot. And she talks to Christina about wanting to get a spousal visa, bring submit over to the U.S. Uh, to see America, to see how she lives and how Americans live and all of that. And Christina's like, well, you know, they are opening the border soon. I don't know the details, but uh, from the pandemic, they're going to open the border soon and we want to come and visit you. So Christina wants to visit her mom with her wife. Uh, so they talk a little bit more and Jenny tells Christina about the Karma Sutra yoga classes that Submit has suggested. And she's like, well, what made him want to do that? You know, is it just because he wants to try new things? He wants to spice it up, whatever. And Jenny's like, I don't know, but I don't like it. And I, I mean, maybe it's a generational thing. And she's worried, right? She's hoping that he's not already bored with her after only a few months of marriage. And the thing with Jenny, though, is like she she's like, oh, I'm 63. I know everything about sex. Well, Jenny, it's never you're never old enough to learn something new, right? And it's clear to me that you're not really being adventurous and if your husband after two months is already like, Hey, we need to do this and spice things up. Then he's nicely telling you there's something that is missing. There's something that we need more. And even though they've only been married for a couple of months, they've been together off and on for 10 years. So he's looking for something more. And if he's coming to you first, that's a good look because if he, if he didn't come to you, he would go to someone else that is more age appropriate and all of a sudden, you know, now he's cheating on you. But he's like, hey, listen, I'm unfulfilled in this area. Let's spice it up a little bit. Facts. C. Crew says, yes, don't get stuck in your ways. That part. So <clears throat> as she's telling her daughter about this, Christina says, you know, maybe it will be good for your relationship. It will spice it up. And Jenny's like, you know, I'm hoping that Summit is not already bored after only a few months of marriage. And I'm just saying right now that if he's coming to you, he's coming to you in a good spot and you should be open with that. And you should be open to trying new things. Don't you think? So um, they are on their honeymoon 
they're going to some like beautiful river or something. They're crossing a bridge. There's a cow and a monkey in the middle of the bridge. It's like a whole thing. Um, but finally they get to like a restaurant and they're sitting like riverside. They're having tea and, you know, Jenny's like downloading about her conversation with her daughter, Christina and how they're going to come to visit and all this stuff. And Samit's happy about it because he doesn't want to leave India. Like he doesn't want to leave his family that his parents are his first priority period. And so he's hoping that Christina coming and her wife coming with her, that Jenny will have enough like family time that she'll forget about wanting to get a spousal visa to the U.S. Because listen, y'all, he's not going to the U.S. He's not leaving his parents. If he could be still living at home, he would. Let's be real. Um, and so then she's like, you know, I'm just wondering, like this whole uh, Kama Sutra yoga class, like, are we good? At, or like, are you bored of me? Like, what's happening? And he's like, you know, we're good. I just want to bring some some excitement to the relationship. Uh, you know, it's going to educate us about sex. And Jenny's like, well, I'm 63. I know everything about sex already. And I'm not comfortable doing this. And I've already had all the experience that I need. Uh, and I was like, Jenny that's kind of your problem. You're going to be closed-minded, then it's probably going to be an issue with your 30-something-year-old husband. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's clearly not satisfied about something or else he wouldn't have suggested this. He wants to spice it up and you want to just like, you know, how can I say this politely? You want to just like spread your legs, missionary, do the do and then roll over and fall asleep. And your 30 something year old husband who's in his prime is saying, that's not enough for me. We need to spice this up. So he, she asked him if he's bored with her. And she also asked, are you changing the way you're feeling? And he doesn't directly answer those questions. You guys, he says, we have to think about our future. We have to keep the spice in our sex life. And it's going to increase our fun and it's going to give us maximum pleasure. And, you know, why not try it? And again, to me, that's him politely saying, yeah, bitch, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored with the same old, same old, same old. We need to spice up our sex life. We need to be like more connected. We need to have more fun. Because this right here, what we're doing is boring. He's saying that indirectly and nicely, Jenny. And you have to pay attention. Because when you feel like you know everything already, it's clear that you, you don't know everything already. Or your husband wouldn't be bored after two months in the honeymoon phase. Okay? Yeah. So <clears throat> they go to this class, you guys. And the first thing that Jenny notices is that everyone is super young in the class. And she is already complaining. She doesn't want to do different poses and bed. She just basically wants to, like I said, have some quick sex, roll over, and go to bed. 
She ain't, she's not trying to do anything fancy. She wants no new positions. She doesn't want to learn new positions. She doesn't want to do anything about anything. And then, so they get there. And the first thing they, they do is, you know, they greet each other. And then uh, the instructor asks them to sit down uh, cross-legged with their legs up, as you see in this photo with Submit. But Jenny couldn't get her legs up, you guys, and I just died of laughter. Not that it's funny, but just the fact that she was so awkward throughout the whole class that I was like, oh, Lord, what is happening right now? So she can't sit cross-legged with her feet up. And then the instructor was trying to be super professional, you guys, but he was hilarious. So he's like, you know, never in his classes has he seen such an age different with the, with the couples. And he literally said that he hopes Jenny doesn't injure herself in the class. <laughs> Y'all, I died of laughter. I died of laughter. Died. And then, so they do a bunch of different poses. Um, and to camera, Submit asked Jenny, you know, can you touch your forehead with your knees while you're standing? Can you put your leg behind your head? He can do all of these things. She can't do those things. And then they get to this cowgirl helper pose. And it's supposed to increase and enhance the duration of sex. When I tell you guys that Jenny, like, plopped down with all of her body weight on him, you could tell that he was like, oh, my God, those are my cojones. What are you doing? It was a mess. So <laughs> we all saw it. The instructor started laughing, but he like tried to like not show that he was laughing. It was hilarious. Now, when Jenny, so... Submit's lying on the ground, right? Submit's lying on the ground, back back on the floor, head to the sky, and they're doing this cowgirl helper pose. They're doing, like, um, mantras, like, um, um, all this stuff, right? Now, here's the thing that just, I died of laughter. So... You can tell that Samit knows exactly what to say and when to say it because he says to her as she rolls off of him, Jenny, I thought you lost some weight, but you lost more than I thought. And I was like, this fool is smart. He's super smart because he literally was trying to say, bitch, you are so heavy on me and you like put all your weight on me, like just drop down on me. And, you know, I thought you lost weight. Oh, but you lost more weight than I thought. Ah! <laughs> that was so funny. So Jenny thinks that that class is going to be a one and done. She'd rather just go home, have some quick sex, roll over, and go to bed. So, so much for Kama Sutra. Uh, that's funny. You guys, it was so funny. Okay, moving on to Liz and Ed. 
my disclaimer, as you guys know, I'm not an Ed fan, so take it for what it is. It's their engagement party day, and Liz is getting her makeup done while she's talking to her friend Tawny, and she's super excited for a great night, uh, all about you know, love and romance. And she wants to make sure that she shows all of her friends and family that their love is real. And even though she, you know, this will be her third marriage. She was married uh, first at 19 years old. And then she says that her second marriage was a joke. And so they like went to Vegas. They went to a courthouse, got married really quickly. Boom, that was the end of it. And so now Ed is her third choice, like her third marriage, right? But she finally feels like she met the true love of her life. And I was like, in what world? In what world do you think that this is this is the true love of your life? You guys are so toxic together. I don't even get it. Like, I just don't get it. So her mom's in town from LA. Her grandparents are in town from New Mexico. And it's going to be a bunch of her friends and coworkers, as well as Ed's friends. He's invited his mom and his daughter, but they did not RSVP. And so one of the things we find out in their segment is that Liz's mom has major issues with Ed, especially the age difference between them. And Liz kind of brushes it off and says, hey, listen, I've never been close to my mom. Um, my grandparents raised me. They gave me a life that my mom couldn't give me. And all she wants is her mom's support. She doesn't care about anything else but her mom's support. So they arrive at their party. And Ed is hoping that his mom and his daughter show up. And they, they don't, you guys, by the way. They don't show up. They're not there. They didn't RSVP. They're not coming. Um, his mom is not for it. The mom is like, listen, y'all have broken up eight times. I mean, what? why are we doing this? And the fact that Ed's best friend, Rich, wasn't invited to their engagement party says a whole lot. It shows me that both Ed and Liz are toxic together and they're also very immature. And so they arrive at the party. Ed says he's excited because there's lots of people there and he feels like a celebrity. And, you know, he thinks he's a celebrity big time all the time. You guys, we know that about Ed. He loves the attention. And he says that when he looks at himself, he thinks he's a mix between Danny DeVita and George Clooney. <laughs> uh, I mean, wait, what? What What part of you is George Clooney? I'm just curious. Uh, Carol's asking, why did Ed and his sweet mama fall out? Well, they fell out over his relationship with Liz. So when him and Liz got back together, Carol, he kicked his mom out of the house that, you know, they were living together with because he was moving Liz in and his mom did not agree with the relationship. And so now that's where we are. 
So they're at the party. And uh, one of the reasons I'm showing you this picture is because, you know, Liz told us how Ed is constantly talking about her weight and, you know, gaslighting her and love bombing her at the same time. And yet, like, he's a little man. He's a little friggin' man. And if anyone's going to talk about weight, like, look at yourself, Ed. Like, look at yourself. It's rude of you to just have the audacity to be saying shit like that to her. So anyways, we meet Patty, who is Liz's mom, which was, like, a little confusing to me. Like, I was like, I wonder what Patty's backstory is, because if I was going to give her a backstory, one, the fact that you didn't raise your own daughter, your parents raised her, and, like, the way she was talking, I just felt like, well, I know. she. There was, I'm going to tell you that I feel, in my opinion, that there's a drug history with her, um, and the way she talks, she talks like, you know, like an ex-crackhead, in my opinion. Anyways, Patty uh, has some issues with the relationships and some concerns with the relationship. When Ed and Liz come up to her, it was so, so, like, cringe, creepy, y'all. He calls her mommy and then says, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't call you mommy because, you know, you're younger than me. Um, Ed, you know you're already known as big pred. Like, why are you even like, Ooh, what is happening here? This, what is happening? Like you're just being totally inappropriate all the time. So Liz's mom, Patty says that she has some concerns. She really wanted Liz to take a break after her previous relationship because her last marriage allegedly was seeped in domestic violence. Um, and so her mom says that she wanted Liz to just take a break, be single, figure out who she was and go from there. But at the same time, she's grateful to Ed, she says, for helping to bring Liz out of the dark place that she was. And so Liz and Ed took that as her giving her blessings to them getting married and welcoming welcoming ed into the family now i don't know if i could go that far and say that she did all that but i mean it's 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 possible i guess she's saying like i'm not going to stop the marriage and as long as you're happy and you're making my daughter happy and you're taking care of her then we're cool so party goes on bunch of Rebecca says um, she was just trying to find something nice to say. And Jaws was like, I wonder what dark place you... Well, here's the thing that I want to tell you guys. So she was in a dark place, like I just said earlier, because her previous relationship allegedly was shrouded in domestic abuse. And that's why she had to leave her second husband. So that inevitably probably put her in a dark place. Now, 
we get this alert on our screen as the party was winding down and there was a ton of people at the party, you guys. Liz and one of her guests got into a heated argument and allegedly the friend of Liz grabbed her by the arm and Ed is like, I know this girl. She's a lesbian. And goes on to say Liz had the woman removed by security. So Ed was like, he thinks it looks like a lover's quarrel. It looks like something that two people who used to be together are now fighting. So he asked Liz if she was in a relationship with her. And Liz is like, seriously? Uh, And then he's like, yeah, that's what it looked like. And then she says to him on their, at their engagement party, go fuck yourself. Bye. And she runs out of the venue. Now, I've already said that these two who have broken up eight times, who've been toxic to each other, who, if you guys remember, prior to the season, she tried to counsel him. There was a whole change.org petition that she started where she was like, Ed is trash. He should not be on TV. He's done all these things. And she, and he countered by saying a bunch of shit about her. It was like toxic level 100. Okay. 100. Yet here we are with these two thinking that they should get married. And Ed is wondering why his family's like, no, we don't support this. It's ridiculous. So she runs out of the venue after he accuses her of being in a relationship with the girl that she had a fight with. And she's like, I'm hurt. I feel so bad. And he's like, well, I remember that when we broke up one time, you said I hurt you so badly that you would want to be with a woman. And so that's why I'm saying, asking you, is that your ex? Liz isn't having it. Plus she's super drunk, you guys. Like even her to camera, you could tell it she was like a drunk ass. And she is like mumbling. She's like, you know, Ed is insecure. He's jealous. He's controlling. She can't even stay out past 11 o'clock PM without his permission And she's running in the streets of San Diego, barefoot, shoeless, nasty in my opinion, and says that Ed is so insecure that she can't even deal with him anymore and she's done. Ed, on the flip side, says that they have too many issues that have not been resolved. And before they can get married, they're going to have to resolve those issues. So, meanwhile, she's having a full-on meltdown. She's crying. She's, like, saying a bunch of stuff to camera, you guys, that I really couldn't just, like, get behind because I was like, what is she even saying? And part of it is because, you know, she was drunk. Um, And he's, like, incessantly calling and calling and calling and calling and calling her. She's not answering. So, finally, uh, he calls the producer that is following her, filming her still. And the producer picks up and gives Liz the phone like, hey, do you want to talk to Ed? And Ed says to her, you ruined the entire evening for your mom and your grandma. You are out of control. You're drunk. 
she's like, shut the fuck up. And he continues to gaslight her and says that you're embarrassing yourself. Um, you know, there's something going on there between you and this woman. And I can't marry you until I figure out what it is. And so go ahead and leave the ring, he says. Pack your stuff and move out. You're not ready to get married. And by then, she's pissed. So she leaves the producer's phone right there on the side. She walks away, and he's still gaslighting her and still talking. And that's how their segment ends. <sighs> My disclaimer, Angela Angela is an abuser. I cannot believe that we sat here and internationally watched during October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. We literally saw Angela get physical and put her hands on Michael. In my opinion, it's not okay. Domestic abuse is real. And not only does Angela verbally abuse Michael, now she is physically abusing Michael. I think she's a nasty, terrible individual. And I cannot believe how much she gets away with. If the tables were reversed, if this was a black man putting hands on a white woman, do you think that we would just be laughing about it? Do we think that we just see it and be like, oh, nothing, nothing wrong here. Keep it pushing. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so I don't understand how she gets away with all the things she gets away with all the time. I don't get it. Keep your hands to yourself. I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care, male, female, or other. You keep your hands to your goddamn self, period. That is not what happened here. Not only was she being verbally abusive and assaultive and assaulting his car, talking about how he's messing with the wrong motherfucker, she says, as she's taking his car apart. She threatens to break out his windows. She's mad at him, literally, for her own shitty insecurities about not taking down his Instagram. She can be all over social media, but this dude has a little Instagram account, and she's freaking out because she's so insecure. She wants to control shit. She wants to run amok because she can't handle the fact that he's younger and other women might be thinking that he's attractive. Then she wants to flip it and say that Michael's been disrespecting her. Meanwhile, she's screaming, she's cussing, she's acting a fool. She's mad that he won't come out. Would you come out? You're in the middle. You're in the sanctuary of your own home in the middle of the night and some friggin' old ass American chick runs through your compound and is screaming at the top of her lungs. She's brought a friend. You don't know what's going out there. You don't know what's happening. Why would you go outside? I wouldn't go outside. I didn't invite you. I didn't know you were showing up. Yeah, you might be my wife, but whoever this person that showed up, clearly drunk, 
clearly intoxicated, clearly out of her mind, and clearly thinking that she's better than. And we've seen this with Angela multiple times. And I keep referring you guys back to the video footage that that leaked where she was traveling on an airplane and she was trying to cuss out the flight attendant and she was her behavior was disgusting. So she's running amok. She's screaming. She's cussing. She's mad that he won't come out. She talks about how she flew halfway across the world to be there. And I I literally made notes that's get the fuck out of here. You flew halfway across the world to do this? To be an abuser and aggressive and verbally talk crazy, tear apart his car. And then when he does come outside, then you also physically assault him. You physically assault him. Lori said, my husband noted multiple criminal acts. He's in law enforcement. And Stevie says, no excuse for that behavior. TLC should be sued. And Desiree says, let's just call it what it is. She's using her privilege to do as she likes. So she's screaming, you want to break up? You want to break up? Divorce me then. This is my car. This is my world. As she's taking, like, trying to take the plates off of his car, screaming, you got the wrong motherfucking American. The law says this is my car, bitch. Like, just... You guys, she was so freaking nasty. I don't even know, like, can she be nastier every single episode? Yes, she can. And she is. I'm so over. Listen. Listen, y'all, listen. I didn't survive a freaking two and a half year pandemic to, like, try to be chilling, being entertained by reality TV, to have this bitch come on and literally... As she's verbally abusing and now physically abusing Michael, she's also in our in our minds and on our TV sets bringing negativity into our homes. Enough is enough. Like I don't care how popular she is, and so many people love her, and so many people are like, oh, it's just Angela. Oh, it's entertaining. It's not entertaining when she physically is abusing someone again. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And what I saw on my TV this week was Angela domestically abusing Michael, period. You do not put hands on anybody, period. So he comes out... And he's screaming, like, what's the meaning of this, he says, as he comes outside. She says to him, fuck you, bitch, and physically attacks him. He gets mad and is like, are you crazy? And he's, like, grabbing her wrist to stop her from physically assaulting him. And then his brother, uh, Yakini, is, like, trying to separate them. 
and she's like, fuck you to him. This bitch, you were the one I trusted. You want to baby a man that broke my heart? Fuck you, she says. Fuck him. Fuck his family, she says. Um, you will not come on my visa to America. And at this point, Michael's done. Michael's done. He's like, get out. Get out of my compound. I'm done. So what do Renee, her friend who clearly didn't help the situation at all, they get into the ride chair and of course they're smoking the cigarettes in the car. And in my opinion, this is my note. I think Angela's crazy and I think she's nasty, period. It's not entertaining to me. It's not funny to me, especially during, again, October being Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I just don't think that we should be celebrating a woman that literally put hands on her husband. And, you know, domestic violence is domestic violence. We talk about it a lot with females, but it does happen to males too. And what I, what I witnessed today was domestic violence. That's what I saw. And Angela's out of control. I think she's nasty. I think she gets nastier when she drinks. And she was clearly drinking on the way there. And who knows how many other drinks she had. And she wants to roll up with her fucking cheap ass synthetic hair in a bun and her friggin' American flag nails thinking that she's the ship because she lost some weight from having surgery. But I will tell you this, she hasn't changed her lifestyle and she's put on more weight because she hasn't changed her lifestyle. And that shit's not going to last very long because when you smoke as much as you do, that's why she has all the wrinkles and is all like decrepit and all the soda that she drinks and all the things. She might think she's the shit, but that shit's not going to last very long. And then to be nasty from the inside as well, where you verbally abuse people, it's just not okay. I'm I'm cool on Angela, y'all. I'm 100% cool on her. I don't think it's okay to show someone physically assaulting someone and we not talk about it. It's 2022, y'all. You know how many people die from domestic abuse? The stats are astounding. They're astounding. Literally astounding. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's okay. Because it's not okay. One of the things I want to pop up there for you guys is if you're in a situation, um, the hotline.org is available to you. 24 hours a day, as well as the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. It's a serious issue. And this month, again, is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I'm just not okay with Angela putting her hands on on her husband. I'm just not okay with it. It's abuse. And we need to start calling it out. And we need to let people know that it's just not okay you don't put your hands on anybody period moving on to kim and usman uh y'all this whole situation 
First of all, I just want to... Okay, let me just start with Kim and Usman. So they're flying to Sokoto to get the blessing from Usman's mom for them to get married. They're they're packing their stuff. And one of the things that I just think is so crazy to me is that, you know, she's constantly wanting sex from this guy and she's not getting it as much as she wants. So they're leaving the room and she says, buy Yammy room, sort of, right? Because they didn't have sex immediately. I think they had like one time after his birthday. And I'm curious to know what you guys think, because, you know, he is um, Islamic and I'm just curious, does he get to pick and choose the traditions that he follows? So when we first met him, he's like, oh, I'm not going to kiss her in public. Oh, I can't hold hands with her. But then now he's holding hands with her and having premarital sex with her. So, like, do you pick and choose what rules you follow i i'm curious to know how that works I, i'm just curious so they arrive in sokoto they're holding hands at the airport usman is super nervous to meet with his mom because again he's bringing another older white woman uh from america to meet her to get the blessings and he's worried that they're not going to see Kimberly for who she is. They're going to just see her like another baby girl, Lisa. His best friend, Bibi, meets them at the airport and drives them to their hotel. And they get to the hotel and, you know, they're checking in. And apparently, I've never been to a hotel. What ho- I, I mean, I've never been to a hotel, you guys. And I've traveled a lot in my life where they ask you what your profession is. So apparently when he was checking in, they asked, what is your profession? And he turns to Kimberly and is like, what's my profession? And Kim says, you're an international superstar. <sighs> because, you know, we haven't heard him say that a bazillion times. And then Usman goes on a complete how great he is rampage talking about how he's the most successful artist from his region of over a hundred million people there's nobody above him um only person from his region that has fans from all across the world he gets recognized he said everywhere he goes he gets privileges from it and literally i was just shaking my head because i'll tell you this if you know anything about anything about um Nollywood and Nigerian music, Usman is nowhere in that 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 list. He can say that he is the most popular from his region, and I, I beg to differ. There are so many talented and literally real international superstars from Nigeria. He ain't it. And if he's being recognized, he's being recognized for being on 90 Day Fiance, not for his friggin' music, period. So the thing that also bothered me, and because I'm going to be on one today, I'm just going to tell you that when he said he's the only person that has fans from all over the world and how he's like so popular and that he's so successful, bitch, if you're so successful, why are you traveling with fake Louis Vuitton bags? Why? Why? 
this bag right here, y'all, okay? And I'm a Louis Vuitton connoisseur. This bag right here is fake as fuck. You bought that at the swap meet. You bought that at the farmer's market. You bought that online from some underground nonsense. You bought that from, I want to say the company, but I don't want to be sued. But you bought that from some Asian company online for $9.99. Okay? Okay? So I don't know how internationally superstar you are, but these bags right there, they are not the real deal. Absolute. Y'all look at this nonsense. Look at this nonsense. Stop it. Stop it right now. Just stop it. What? You know what? If I was, if I was closer, I would show you how fake this nonsense is. This right here, this right here. Look, look at the, what is that? A flower? I wish I could point this out. Do you see the, it looks like a, a, you know, when you slice an orange and, and you look at the center of the orange, tell, stop it. What LV, what LV bag has like orange slices on it? And then the stars, the stars that look like, I don't know, like a kumquat international superstar, a hundred million people recognize you, most successful artists of your region. You get privileges everywhere you go. Well, clearly you're not getting enough privileges because this right here, this right here with your fake bags, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You want to say you're a bazillionaire making all this money from your music and you're traveling throughout Africa with your fake ass bags, you should be embarrassed because I'm embarrassed for you. I'm embarrassed for you. If you can't afford it, just don't have it. Just have a regular bag because y'all, we can see a fake, we can see fake, fake for fake, fake a million miles away. All right. My LV rant is over. So... I mean, Jocelyn said, does he say it's real LV? Whether he says it or not, the fact that you bought fake LV, but you're trying to tell me that over 100 million people, you're the most successful artist in your region, whether it's, why would you even buy fake, Jocelyn? If you're so successful, just buy the real deal. If you want to tell us that you're an international superstar, what international superstar do you know that travels with fake bags? All right, so his friend Bibi has dropped them off at the hotel and is leaving because it's late. They're tired. And she, Kimberly goes to fist bump him and Usman freaks out a little bit and says, you know, no, we don't do that. Women and men don't touch if, you know, you're not that person's person, right? If you're not married to them, then you guys are not supposed to touch. It's not allowed. It's considered a sin. He's not even supposed to be touching her because legally they're not married, but it's clear that he chooses to pick and choose what rules he follows and what traditions he follows. Um, And so they're chit-chatting before she goes to have a, a shower. 
she tells him that she's nervous to meet his mom and says some weird thing like she doesn't want to hug his mom when she meets her and I don't know I got it like a twinge you guys I got a twinge of I, je ne sais quoi I don't know what it was but a twinge of something doesn't sit right with me when she said that so they can't get married if they don't get Usman's mom's blessing and it's really important for them to get the blessing so Usman decides that he's going to meet with his mom first one-on-one -on -one, before he brings Kimberly uh, to the house so that he can kind of like smooth things over with his mom, I guess he's trying to do. So he meets with her one-on-one -on -one and says, you know, do you remember when I was in Tanzania and you talked to Kimberly? Well, she's one of my friends, he says, and I'm going to bring her to the house to meet and greet you tomorrow. And we can just, you guys can meet and greet each other. And the mom is like, who is this person? Is this person similar to baby girl Lisa that you brought home last time? Um, and he's like, no, Kimberly specifically came to Nigeria to meet and greet you. And the mom says, is there another reason? And he doesn't want to tell her, right? He doesn't want to tell her that he needs her blessing and that I want to propose to her and, and marry this woman. And he's like, no, you know, we'll talk about it when I bring her tomorrow. And the mom's like, how old is she? And he lies. He says she's 50 and we know that she's older than 50. And the mom says, God, really? <laughs> and the mom goes, because you know what? Listen, y'all, all the moms out there, you all know your kids. You all know your kids. You know, when they're acting a acting a fool, they're running amok, when they're lying. Moms just know they have like that sixth sense. And I just felt like his mom was so sick of his shit. So the mom says, you know, all I want you to do is to get married so that you'll stop bringing such women from a far away world, she says. And I want you to marry a fertile girl who is of tender age, she says. And she goes on to say that she has a variety of women um, amongst our people. And she goes on to say, I can't continue to sit by and watch you make mistakes. I want to see you have babies. And I just pray to God that Kimberly is not your wife. And when she said, I just pray to God that Kimberly is not your wife, you know that she's like, I am not having it. I'm done with your antics. I'm done with you bringing these old white women over to the house so you can get a blessing and then that shit doesn't work out. And she's like, I don't want you to go to the US. I, you act differently when you have these women from abroad. She goes on to say, she can find him a wife in just seven days. And she goes on to say, as far as a request for marriage and my blessing, she says, quote, I assure you that I won't accept it. <laughs> I assure you, I will not accept it. So here's the thing. We already know. We already know what it is, what it is. What he should say is, listen, mom, I'm trying to 
come to America on a green card and only these old women are willing to marry me for nothing. So I have to give them a little bit of yummy, but they're going to give me a green card. And from there, I can come to America and fulfill my dreams of being an international superstar. I can continue to stalk the Chrissy Teigens and John Legends of the world. I can continue to compare myself to Michael Jackson and come to America and try my hand at becoming, you know, an artist because I'm already successful here in America. So, excuse me, here in Nigeria. So I want to go and try to be the international superstar that I say that I am by going to America. Now, once I get to America, mom, don't worry. I will find a younger, hotter woman who is of the same age bracket of me to have babies with. I'm just using Kimberly to actually get there. That's what he should tell her. Tell her the truth. And maybe she'll be like, okay, I'm for it. Or maybe she'll say, I'm not for it. But whatever the case may be, we all, let's just call the spade what it is. He's literally using her to go to America to further his music career. Mom's not going to have it, though. Ah, Shanta dying. I'm dying. He will not be on the next season of Young, Rich, and African. <laughs> if you haven't watched that show, you guys, it's super good. It's so entertaining. Shanta facts. Because guess what? He's eh, he's kind of young. He's definitely not rich. He is African, but he's not popular like how they are popular. Like they're real young, rich, and African doing some shit. He's just on 90 Day Fiance, and he uses his auto-tune to think that he can do some things. And yeah. All right, you guys, thank you so much for watching. I'll be back tomorrow with 90 Day to Single Life. I'll see you then. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And you guys, uh, head over to the rest of my YouTube channel to see the news and gossip about Yara's friend, Adele, because, y'all, I break it all the way down. Bye for now.